You are about to enter a great adventure. This is Starting from Gorilla. And welcome back, everyone, for our, another episode of Strutting from Gorilla. This is Mikey Cash, as always, and with the uh, co-host with the most, Big Vito. What up? Uh, so, we, after some delay, we are back here recording this episode. Uh, we'd wanted to record it a couple of weeks ago, but hey, life gets in the way, things happen, but the bottom line is, uh, your two favorite jabronis are back talking about the wrestling. And uh, in today's episode, we're going to cover our thoughts on the life career of the ninth wonder of the world, China, uh, the extreme highs and the lows of probably one of the most influential women in wrestling. Uh, so we're going to just talk about our personal experiences watching her in action. And we're also going to be referencing a documentary from Vice called China. So anybody who's out there, check it out on Hulu. But before we get into the meat of the episode, let me remind you guys where you can find us. Uh, on Facebook, you can find us at at SFG Podcast, Twitter and TikTok at from underscore gorilla, on Instagram at SF Gorilla Pod, and you can find us on our website, struttingfromgorilla.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a five star rating and review. We really appreciate it. Now, with all of that out of the way, Vito, let's jump into the meat of this, baby. The ninth wonder of the world, China. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we've been waiting to do this episode for quite some time. And, you know, we've done our research. Um, as uh, the famous Bret Hart would say, you can't forget your heroes. You know, we have to, we have to make sure that we, <laughs> we, we remember her, you know. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I watched that documentary and, you know, I obviously we watched her growing up. And I, she's just such an influential person. And more so than people, I think give her credit. And it wasn't that she just, you know, they use the word trailblazer a lot in mm-hmm. WWE today on women's wrestling. And I mean, she wasn't a trailblazer. She was yeah. the trailblazer, like before it even became possible. Like she did yeah. things that they still don't even do today. Um, well, well, should we, should we give uh, our listeners just a little bit of a highlight of just her career accolades, just running this down, just listen, listen to this, right? The first and only woman to qualify for King of the Ring, 1999. First woman to participate in the Royal Rumble, 1999, and I think she did it again in 2000. She's the first and only female to win the Intercontinental Championship. She beat that jabroni, Jeff Jarrett. She's the only, get this one. I didn't even realize this one existed, and I, I must have missed it while I was watching it growing up, but she's the only female ever to be number one contender for the WWF title. It actually happened in the lead up to SummerSlam in 99. She beat Triple H in a one-on-one match wow. and <laughs> was actually number one contender for like a whole night. Like The whole story was she was the number one contender she was going to face Austin at SummerSlam. That's crazy. I Can do you... <laughs> even remember that. <laughs> She's uh, she is a, a former women's champion. She is in the Hall of Fame 2019 as part of DX. My hope is one day she gets that solo Hall of Fame induction that she so richly deserves. But I think yeah. she she might find it in well the WWE Hall of Fame is different than the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Wichita, Kansas, Wichita Falls, Kansas. Yeah. Texas. Sorry, not Kansas. But um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, no. It, I mean, <laughs> it, it, look, just listening to that, like those highlights, those career accolades. I mean, how do you not look at her and, and say, like, she was quite possibly like the most influential like woman uh, in the women's revolution? I mean, look at that. Yeah, everybody I'm, talks about Lita and Trish, which is which is fine, and and I don't. It's not to diminish what they did, but oh my god, China, <laughs> the yeah, things she I, did really. I just think she was open. on a yeah, she was just on a different level, and not just from a physical standpoint, but from a wrestling standpoint. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's far and above what those two were. Those two were kind of divas that turned into great wrestlers, where. China was a wrestler that turned into somewhat of a diva. Like it's, it's like a weird mix. Um, and, uh, I, you know, watching that vice documentary and, you know, just, oh. 
knowing what had happened in the past and everything, it's it was a little bit eye-opening. And I think her path could have been a lot different if things were handled differently. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't. And she is, as for much as a, a strong physical specimen as she was, she was kind of a very weak mental person, you know, and, and it, it didn't cater, WWE didn't cater to where she needed to be because of certain circumstances. So, um, no, I think this is a great, great, great preview yeah. to what we're about to talk about. So let's, let's get yeah. right into we'll, it. We'll, we'll, we'll cover more of this documentary yeah. because we, yeah. I found myself both sad and just incredibly angry about yeah. how this all worked out. I know. Um, but, you know, let's jump into it. I'm gonna t- you yeah. know, the first question I have on here is like, when, when did you first see her? Like, what was your original thoughts when, you f- yeah. when, when China first popped up on your screen? So for me, I was about 12 or 13 at the time. And I can't remember the exact episode of Raw or may- it might have been even SmackDown that she was on. And I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, wait, why? Why is she the only like woman that's like wrestling the guys. I don't know. I, I didn't understand it because at that time, all I was seeing was valets. So you had Deborah, you had Terry Reynolds, you know? And so I thought, man, it was really interesting to see somebody that was almost more muscular than the guys and taking them down. And I definitely wasn't mature enough. I think at the time to fully understand her for the talent that she was. So, you know, that's how, how it was for me when I first saw her. Vito, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I um my first time seeing her is when she came out of the crowd. Um like literally, you know, she came out as this Oh, did you see her actual debut? Cuz I yeah. think that's what you're talking about. She like chokes Terry, right? Yeah, she came out and with Triple H and then she mm-hmm. became his bodyguard and um I didn't know who she was and I'm I I swear to god I thought she was a man. Like I think I, a lot of people thought that initially. Yeah, and this isn't a knock on her at all. Cause I, you know, as think time went on and everything, like I thought much differently of her, but the way she portrayed herself, she was very stern. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, you know? And I, at first I thought she like kind of overshadowed triple H to be honest with you. I totally was, agree with you. <laughs> she was more intimidating than he was. Yeah. He, she, he, he was more, was, was he still doing his, like, he was doing the preppy gimmick, preppy gimmick. So I think that made a big difference too. Um, but it was very interesting to see how it all evolved. And then she became part of Degeneration X. And I think she mm-hmm. was a real big part of it. Like she, she was, she was the, the fucking bodyguard for the both of them. She yeah. was tougher than the two of them. Like half the time they were sending her out to go do the battles. Yeah, it was crazy. And and she didn't say much. She didn't do much, but she was just this intimidating presence, which you mm-hmm. didn't see a woman at that time outside of like Luna, who Luna was more right. of a crazy presence, but China was more of like an intimidating presence. It was mm-hmm. very interesting dynamic. And I didn't really know what to make of it at first. I thought at first it was a real, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought it was a real fan coming in and yeah and they presented it well because she didn't get walked up the ramp you know how like when they do the fake run-ins like the the person gets escorted by security back up the ramp through the entrance and i'm like well they wouldn't necessarily do that they took her out like a sideway so you kind of thought i i remember seeing that too and i was like oh what who what the hell happened (laughs) They, they presented that well yeah it was it was pretty crazy i that was my first um interaction with her and where i saw her come in so Mm -hmm. um and then obviously you know she evolved from there that's kind of amazing it's it's really interesting to to look at how not only how she was introduced but you know the fact that to even get to that point was such a fight so come going back to a little bit of what i uh, we saw in the documentary even triple triple h is surprisingly in this for a brief moment in this documentary and talks about him and Shawn Michaels basically fighting to get her brought in as the bodyguard because Vince didn't really want to do it because that's not the way he portrayed the women at that time and didn't believe that they could really hang in that way which was short-sighted for Vince surprisingly especially at that time when he was a little bit more like with it but it was in some ways I'll say good for Triple H you know the good for Triple H and Shawn Michaels especially 1995, 96 versions of those guys being able to fight for somebody else besides themselves. Yeah. Um, even though it was, I probably suspect there were some more 
selfish reasons for them trying to get her on because it looked better for them too. You know, it was, it, I think in the, even in the, uh, in the documentary, it was, somebody said something like, oh, well, Triple H was saying he really needed this for his career. So he, he wanted to have her on. I was like, yeah, okay. That, that checks out for Triple H at that time. Yeah, no, definitely. But I wonder how much of like a romantic element there was going on before she came on versus yeah. like how that all developed. Like, did that happen before? Cause they were working out together or did yeah. it happen during WWE when they were working together? Um, because that could could have made a big difference too. Right. Like it sounds like when she was at, like, I, I think she, she knew triple H because they were from the same hometown, but then I, sounds like she ran into him again once she was training at killer Kowalski school, which that's is where what triple H trained. You know what? That's what it was. Cause yeah, he trained with killer Kowalski and so did she. So that was a, a big thing too. And I bet you killer Kowalski had a big to do and in, in talking to triple H being like, Hey, look, this is something different, very unique. Yeah. Here's a woman that can hang with any of the guys you should see her in training. And, um, and then they, I believe they started working out together and then mm-hmm. it all, it all kind of took off from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so let's keep going here. So uh, w- another question I'm finding myself asking is, well, what was her, her influence on the wrestling world? So, I mean, it's a loaded question, and I feel like you could get a different answer depending on who you're asking. Uh, but if you're asking Mikey Cash, this jabroni, what I would say is she made it a reality for, at least in American pro wrestling, to have believable intergender matches. And I can't believe that I'm sitting here right now saying that I agree with Vince Russo talking about interge- anything, any opinion he has about pro wrestling, but he was right. The, the reason that China worked is she made it believable at that time to have intergender matches with the guys. And I think it was really a big step in into the modern era of changing the mold of what a female wrestler valet personality needs to look like in order to be successful in pro wrestling. You know, her situation with the WWF, I think in 2001 when she left, um, you know, I, I think it's it's a lesson for them because I think they it was a misstep she was valuing herself pretty highly because of what she was doing and working with the guys and them kind of suddenly changing the direction with her on being more of uh, working in the women's division. And I think she kind of saw that as a step back, but I, I think ultimately my point for that is, you know, her influence on the wrestling world is changing the way that female talent are valued in the industry. So that's my long-winded answer to all of this. But Vito, what about you? What do you think her influence was on the wrestling world? I mean, I think you hit it spot on, right? Like, she just is a a unique female wrestler that kind of changed the whole dynamic of of, of wrestling. I talked about it earlier with her being a trailblazer. Um, but, but not only that though, she, her, her career just kind of evolved, right? Mm -hmm. Like at first she was this really intimidating presence, this woman that had these muscles that could hang with the guys. And then she started doing things, uh, almost diva esque where she became, she, she went into mainstream. She did the playboy cover. Um, I'm pretty sure she was in some, some movies or TV shows and like totally took the influence she had and then kind of went into the diva side of it um and became this mainstream character for a a part of her career and Mm -hmm. um it was great and she not only did the wrestling part but she became very entertaining um I, i i may touch on this a little bit later but my favorite part of when she was here was the mamacita. I knew you were going to say that because it it was such a good balance. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. Like I give Eddie Guerrero a lot of credit, but I give her credit too. It was like this guy that, and and it honestly, it was kind of like the sexual chocolate and Mark Henry Mm -hmm. role that she had with him too. But I just thought Eddie Guerrero did a much better job with it. (laughs) I mean, I loved, I, I mean, honestly, it's one of the funnier moments. Like it's just, it's great levity and, I think at that time it was really the first it was the first moment we got to see China really expand her personality a little bit besides just being a badass which we already knew she was and it was so well established so you got to see this other layer to her and I I thought they did a really good job and Eddie Guerrero was sort of like the perfect guy to do that with 
He was yeah. he was so charismatic, and you couldn't help but just laugh at some of the things he was saying to her. Like when he would just get her the roses, or he's got her like the like with the low rider and everything. <laughs> like it, and she was just like not impressed the whole yeah. time. <laughs> it was great. It was great, and I remember her coming out with the. Uh, when she had that new entrance, because she used to come out to Triple H's entrance, and then yeah. she started to have her own. It was like, don't mm-hmm. treat me like a woman. <laughs> yeah. Don't treat <laughs> me like a man. <laughs> and, dude, it was awesome because. With the bazooka? With the bazooka? The bazooka was badass. Yeah, and the, like, Xena warrior garb, yep. and um, it was great. I mean, you know, she did a lot of, like, cosmetic things to look more female um that, you're right I, that, I think part of it was her own i think she had some like her own insecurities about wanting to appear to be more feminine so i think that's uh, i think that was part of what why she, she ended up sort of having some of those surgeries to sort of make herself look more feminine than than before yeah and i i think that 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 insecurity was a big thing right and i think that went a long way for her reasons why she went down the path she went down right well, she yeah she yeah, treated absolutely. wwe like her family and she didn't her family wasn't great growing up she lost contact with her mother you know her her father passed away she was kind of by herself and you think that these celebrities and and you know are are like invincible and yeah. she wasn't you know and and we'll go down this path about what happened after but um Mm -hmm. you know she was just so influential and the treatment she got after it was just sad sad to see um yeah it's it's it could have been a completely different path yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna get to this folks we're gonna get to this documentary part and we're gonna just kind of focus on that at one piece but we're gonna we're gonna keep going here but (laughs) otherwise we could get sidetracked because we could i could rant for days about this i know that whole documentary uh, let's go to some favorite matches moments. Uh, you know, for me, it, it was something that I didn't discover until after I had watched the documentary. It was when China went to uh, Japan and wrestled, and it was in 2002. She had a match with Masahiro Chono. Yep. Uh, and holy shit, it was it's like hard hitting. There's so much. There's so there's so many good aspects to this match. Uh, but for me, I, I honestly feel like the promo afterwards was fire. That it was China just unadulterated. She was coming off of that loss. It was a hard fought match. She's got blood on her face. She's bruised up and she's just sitting down and she, it, it just felt so natural. She's just sitting there and she's like, all right, didn't expect that, did you, Chono? And, and the fact that she was already setting up that she was just going to keep coming after him until she won. I was I was getting myself like pumped up. I was like, "This is a this is great. I want to see more of those matches." And unfortunately, that never came to pass. But wow, if, when you watch that match, you can really see a template in the way I watched it. You see a template in in the style that she was working. That you see some wrestlers today working. You see things that Charlotte does. You see things that Bianca does. You see things that uh, Jordan Grace does over in Impact Wrestling. I think there's a there's a lot to there's a lot of influence from from the style that you was working specifically in that match, and uh, it's it just makes me more sad that we lost her. Yeah, when I watched that. And the crazy part about that is she'd been out of wrestling for quite some time at that point. I didn't know this. Yeah, match. it was a little over a year. She had left in two thousand one, and and I I don't know the full timeline, but it must have been sometime in in o two. She goes to Japan and starts wrestling there. And she had had she had had a couple of other like mixed tag matches before this one on one match, from what I understand. Yeah, and um, it, it's it's wild because I didn't even know this match existed, uh, and <laughs> I saw it, and it was really good. Um, and it's a hard hitting match, like you said, and like any you know, you go over from WWE to to Japan, you're it's it's more realistic in Japan. It's, it's that a hard style. style, yeah. And so that was that was a really good one. But my my favorite is I, I'll always love the the Jeff Jarrett match, and it's it's yeah. funny, <laughs> it's funny that that's one of my favorites because he all, that match almost didn't happen because he held the title hostage. Oh right? yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> you always forget about that. But he took a beating, 
and he he earned his his hostage mm-hmm. money and it was it was great i mean it was a great match and i mean she had some others too the lita match um which you know was one of the few female wrestling matches that she had that was really good mm-hmm. um i mean oh, that's that's a lie i don't mean it that way but she no she tended I, I... to want to play with the big boys and and do the men the men matches yeah. because she would train with triple h all the time she was in multiple royal rumbles right yeah i think she's in two or three i don't i don't know if she was in 2001's royal rumble i don't no, i don't think she is because there was that whole storyline where she was being she got like beat up by right to censor and, and that whole thing so i think she wasn't in that in the royal rumble match but yeah you might be right because that was one of the worst matches of all time that that wrestlemania match with uh ivory i felt bad i i did too i i it's the one thing i really wonder like how come Ivory didn't? Uh, we didn't get like a better match with Ivory because she's a really good wrestler as well. I, I can but... tell you why. I can tell you why. I listened to the JR podcast. He did a podcast on mm-hmm. on China, and he said that at that point China was very difficult to work with because she felt she was so far above all of the women. Which I mean, she had a really good point, mm. but she just she refused to 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 really do that match and basically just destroyed ivory and if you go back it was one of the worst rated matches on that card you could tell she could, she could have cared less and she just squashed ivory which was too bad at that point i know it, it it's in i feel like there was a failure on a couple of fronts when you look at that match it's it goes back to, to what i was just saying about how the wwf valued their female talent at that time and also it's six years of her working with guys and suddenly they're like, Oh, we want you to work with women now. And it's like, well, what? Like, you know, I, I understood a bit of her frustration with, well, I'm working with people that aren't nearly as experienced as the guys that I've been working with this whole time. And I, I could, I could maybe understand it if they presented it like, Hey, you working with them will give them more experience working with people better than you will always make you better. Of course, and, and maybe if that's how it was presented, maybe it was. We don't really. We'll, we'll probably never know. Well, but, according to Jr., it was they they tried, and she yeah. was just not willing at that point to. Yeah, to work with I, it the was, women. It was tough. It, I think a lot of this is. I mean, it's just going to bleed in here, right? I but know the backstage stuff. Her and Triple H, the way yeah. that all ended, was incredibly sad, and I think there was some ripple effects from that that really kind of made, I think, you know, they say she was difficult to work with, but you know, she was also somebody who struggled with mental illness and, and at the time it probably wasn't getting treated. So, correct, you know, that plus a really bad breakup and you're working with your ex all the time and seeing him with his new girlfriend. I don't think it's a recipe for success. No, not at all. Not at all. Anyway, getting back to that. The the stuff she did with sexual chocolate with Mark Henry was good. Fantastic. Um, I have some notable matches on here. I I watched so I watched that Lita match that you were talking about at Judgment Day. Good mm-hmm. match, and yep. uh, it's actually her last match in WWF. She left like the day after. Uh, she fought Chris Jericho at Survivor Series, and in a successful title defense, it was actually Which... really good. Yeah, which was awesome. That, that that feud was really good. Jericho did a great job. And, you know, like, I know this sounds weird, but they had, like, similar body types. Like, she was perfect for that intercontinental mm-hmm. role because yep. she had that, like, same body style, same wrestling technique as, like, a Jericho and Eddie Guerrero, like, yeah, those type of guys, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think she's ha- she had so many memorable feuds. I, I mean, honestly, how many times did she like <laughs> give the rock a low blow? How many times was he hitting the nuts oh, by China? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, they don't talk about this much, but you know, there was a point, and I don't remember when it was. I think it was maybe on a Raw, where the Rock came out and said some pretty nasty stuff to her. That was that, the build like, for SummerSlam with him yeah, and Triple H, and but, it was nasty. Like yeah. it, it doesn't age well. No, when you're looking at it now, you're like, oh shit. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But I mean, it made The Rock a great heel at that point. I mean, it 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 really did. But it was just like some of the stuff that we they wouldn't get away with today. And unfortunately, I bet a lot of people went back that love The Rock, you know, and think he's you this look great back guy. at that, and you're like, this was not is. a great, yeah, yeah, not a great look for not him, a great but, move. But it made you hate him, and it made you really, it really helped get China over. Oh, it gave her a lot of sympathy, and I think that's what uh, they did a really good job of that because 
there wasn't a reason to feel so bad for her at the time because she was so badass. Like she yeah. was, she was the bodyguard for triple H. She was the, like the enforcer for DX, even though they had X-Pac and the new age outlaws, they, it was her. She was the one that was doing the dirty work. So they didn't have a reason to feel bad for her. No. And now they did. And yeah. so in some ways, like it accomplished it, but it would never happen now. I think it, yeah. they, they'd go a different route in how to get that sympathy for her. Oh, I would agree. I would agree. But it's just funny to look back at some of the stuff they did in, in 90, in like the, you know, early 2000s, late 90s. And, yeah. you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It was just a different, different culture. Um, and, and I'm glad they did some of it. You learned a lot, you, you, you know, and, and, and whatnot. But it really, it really did help put her on that, that path to be a great baby face at that point because you got to remember you didn't know a lot about china before all that right mm-hmm. like when she was part of dx she didn't say anything she just stood there most of the time and 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 yeah. was the manager for these guys the bodyguard the enforcer um so it it definitely brought a different light into uh into what was going on <laughs> oh big time big time and like you said before, she had a lot of mainstream attention. And this was even before the Playboy thing. You know, she yeah. it, she was getting on MTV. She was on these different uh, mm-hmm. reality shows. They did an MTV diary on her. I don't know if anybody yeah. that's listening is going to remember that show. This is but... my life. <laughs> you think you know, but you have no idea. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the MTV diary. True life of Joni Lawler. China. That's exa- yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> but... And that's why I think they just had it. It was a big misstep. I I don't think they would miss that opportunity now with how they value the the female talent in in their wrestling company. I can't speak for really the other ones, but for them, I think they've they've gotten better about using that kind of mainstream appeal. I mean, look at you have Ronda Rousey. She's there. Yeah, you know, you're you're looking at people. I would have talked about big big time feel. Yeah, you talk about dream matches. That'd be a great one too. Right? Oh, dude, like, I have a whole list. It's I know ridiculous. It's I know ridiculous. It, you hold on. Going back to that though, like I think it was a different mindset then, right? Though, you know, it was two companies fighting for the number one spot, basically fighting to survive, well, yeah. right? So they were doing things that were very unique, and they didn't have the ability to really like take pick things apart and and have control over certain situations. It was more like, what can we do to beat the competition? And that Mm -hmm. was the main goal. Whereas today where there's not really as much competition, it's not like that. They set the standard. They can do whatever they need to do. And if it doesn't work, people don't have another choice. And Mm -hmm. you can watch AEW, you can watch all these other things, which we talk about all the time. But now they have that control to do that. And you can see that it's, you know, it, it works to their favor sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I actually think it's a healthier way to operate when you're operating in that like DEFCON one, I'm in the middle of this war yeah. thing. It like it, it, I think that's why things were pushed so much. Cause you just wanted eyeballs on you. It doesn't matter, ma- matter whether it was good or bad pu- publicity. And Vince has said it himself, at least at that time. So I don't think that it was a good, I, like, I don't think it ages well because it was just showing how desperate you were. Right. When no, it comes I- down to it. I completely agree there, Mike. You're you're hundred percent right. But I mean, so she had all these positive moments, right, in her career, and things were building. and And you would think, like at that point, you got this. You, I, and, and I know we say this all the time, but like she's like the Babe Ruth of women in wrestling. I see it that way, absolutely. Like the Hulk Hogan, as you would say, of of women wrestlers, right? And so, like, what happened? Like, what was the downfall? Like, where, where did it all go wrong? Well, it, it sounds like, I mean, I know you were, you listened to JR's podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to that. And so anything that I know is strictly from this documentary that I that I watched. And JR is in that one too, where he, he said that she saw herself as being valued in the same light as Stone Cold at the time. And in his eyes, he didn't really agree. I, I, I get the sense he didn't agree and that Vince also didn't agree. And and so there was just this like ideology clash between the two of them where she felt she was valued higher than they actually valued her. And so I think she, in some ways, I'm, I'm actually happy where she was just said, well, fuck this. I'm out of here. Like, what, yeah. what, why am I here if I'm just going to be relegated to this kind of it, to things that she felt were beneath her, whether it was right or wrong? I can see her point. 
Right. Do you think all of that started, though, because of the situation with Triple H? So, I mean, essentially, you're dating this guy and you have a good relationship. And it was strange because you could tell they were dating and had a relationship. But I don't think that it was as public as as like Stephanie. No, there was a lot. I had no idea they ever actually dated. I mean, you could get a sense, though, when they were together, but you didn't really know like they were actually a couple. And. I think what happened was, so Triple H started doing the role with Stephanie McMahon, Mm -hmm. and I think there was a lot of, you know, chemistry there, per se, and so he basically broke up with China and went to to Stephanie McMahon, and I mean, you could put a lot of that on on Triple H. Now, here's where I get conflicted, because Mm -hmm. this is like a murky water for me. You know, people give Triple H a bad rap because she's dating the boss's daughter married her have kids now like do you think that was a personal thing do you think that that was like a? do you think it was to get his career over to me i think it's actually legit uh, unfortunately it makes it look bad mm-hmm. um and and maybe that her and china didn't he didn't have that relationship that he had with stephanie mcmahon you know and and i, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt but unfortunately the casualty here was china and she didn't have that connection with people or the, the the family values that a lot of a lot of other people do so when she lost triple h who she apparently loved like yeah. and then she has to wrestle with him and be part of this culture mm-hmm. i think that had a big big impact and and i'm not going to say that she was blackballed by stephanie mcmahon but i don't think the push that she was getting when she was with triple h was nearly as as good because there was probably animosity between the two of them they don't talk about it we don't hear about it mm-hmm. but i mean it, there has to be and when you're when you have that animosity and then all of a sudden you're actually really popular you know they have the ability to kind of erase people in WWE they did it with with Hulk Hogan they've done it with many people and so when when i think she decided to go and say i'm stone cold and they were like well we're not going to pay you like that and she leaves i think that that gave them the excuse especially for for Stephanie McMahon and Triple H to say well we're all done here yeah. and then she goes can't find her way right and then isn't getting well there was nothing else for her to go to i think that's it this is part of this was an unintended ripple effect of what happened when wwf bought wcw and ecw now there wasn't anywhere else to go so she leaves now what yeah up until 2001 at least when people left you know you'd have the the old like brian pillman just showing up on an ecw show or you'd have lex luger just showing up on nitro Bret Hart going to Nitro. There's so many, there's so many instances of people leaving one and showing up on the other. Even X Pac did it. He left WCW and came to WWF. Yeah. And there's so there there was the opportunity for folks to kind of bounce around and just sort of, you know, get a different opportunity doing something a little, doing something else in another company. And she didn't have that. So I think for her, it was really hard to wrestle with, like to wrestle with not wrestling. And yeah. because that's she was someone who her passion was wrestling and that's where she found community. That's where she found acceptance. That's where her she was valued. Yeah. And I think she started losing that because yeah. because of what happened with Triple H and Stephanie. You know, I I'm not trying to cast them as like the villains here. And I know yeah. a lot of a lot of us do. I know. And I think I've done it even yeah. throughout the years. This is a really hard situation to be in. I could understand, I like, I wouldn't want to be working with an ex who's now dating somebody else. Oh, 100%. And then finding out that they were actually kind of talking to each other while we were dating. Like, that's... Yeah, I know. Like, that's fucked. I know. <laughs> so, oh, 100%. Uh, like, but that's normal relationships. Right. Though. Like, I, that's, that happens but all you're, the time. You're in the, you're in the circus that is yes. WWF yeah, at the time right. during a really hot period. Yeah. So right. it's just, I feel like all of that was just like lighter fluid was poured on it. So oh, 100%. If this was just happening in our daily lives, there's ways for us to deal with it. Then they're on the road seven days a week. There is no time to get away. There is no, the there isn't the, the focus even on like emotional well-being at the time to be like, is she okay? Like, yeah. do, do we need to like have a sit down and figure this shit out? No, and they didn't and, do that. 
Mike, she had no one else to go to. Like, no. here's the thing. If you're, if your family is wrestling and that's all, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in this, this love triangle type thing. Who do you think the wrestlers who are friends are going to side with? They're going to yeah. side with the boss's daughter because they don't want to be blackballed either. So she got kind of outcasted and then she had nowhere to go. What but do you this do? Was, but dude, this is the, the theme of her life is it that is. like when you watch that documentary, you this that what you just said is exactly how oh, it I was for her throughout her life. Oh, I know. You're 100% right. So it brings back these feelings and then she's hurting for money. What is she going to do? So she does the thing that she thinks she can do most she goes into porn right like she goes into porn and it and it i get why she did it but unfortunately you know wwe uses that as an excuse for not bringing her into like the hall of fame or bringing her back and all she wanted was to be brought back into this family and she wasn't getting it and so what happens you know her friend Sean Waltman, mm-hmm. X-Pac comes into her life and which was probably the worst thing for her. Yeah. And they get into drugs mm-hmm. and then it just goes and spirals out of control. And- you know, it's, it's, it's hard because, you know, I didn't realize this in that, but in the documentary, I, I, she was trying to like go to some movies, do a little bit of that, like yep. kind of doing what rock was doing at but that time work. as well. And it wasn't working. And I think that's when she, it sounds like she started to panic, according to some of the friends. Like, she thought yeah. it was going to be more successful than it was. Yeah. So she hooks up with X-Pac. Then they go, he goes to Japan with her in 2002. And part of the reason she ends up getting let go from J- the, I, I don't know if it was New Japan or All Japan, but she ends up getting released. Because mm-hmm. she gets flaky, and that's when, like, the yeah. drug use starts, kind of starts there. Mm-hmm. It really kind of takes off. And, and unfortunately, it never really releases its hold on her which is yeah. just really hard to see you know and, yep. and i've seen a lot of people that that's happened to and it's really tough to watch because there's so much potential there and it gets like choked out yeah. the addiction just chokes it out and she's she's someone who because of her upbringing i think she had a lot of risk factors to sort of develop something because she wants that connection and that's, that's all it. she was looking for yeah, she was looking it. for that connection, and and when you're when you're feeling that level of desperation for it, you find yourself in these situations where you get taken advantage of more often than not. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot. And yeah, I I, I don't know about you, man, but should we talk about the documentary? Because I'm 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 getting yeah. heated. Let's getting do heated. it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get right into it. it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I. I watched this documentary and my my first thought was this manager's a piece of shit. Oh, that <laughs> did you one. did you find yeah, that as well? Because who the number fuck one. is this guy? Like unreal. Uh, you know the the director wasn't any better. This guy no. Eric was like because they were I all mean, on drugs. He's, yeah, like he's using and, and like oh, I'm gonna film a documentary. Great, great. Film a documentary of somebody who you're trying to document their road to recovery while you're also using it's just so real quick though mike just to kind of give people who haven't seen the documentary essentially they they started when china went off to japan after Mm -hmm. all of her scandals so she went through like this whole hard time and she was in the public eye with drug use everything she went off to japan and basically like put her life on hold and you didn't hear from her for multiple years and they thought she was doing good. So they wanted to do this thing called the resurrection of China, where they brought her life back, you know, and showed what she went through and explained how she was going to be better. And ultimately it wasn't that type of documentary and the managers mm-hmm. and the production crew screwed it up and they lost the rights to all the footage and everything they were doing because essentially they caused her death. I mean, I'm not going to say they caused it, but they accelerated it to that point because of everything she was doing. And Joni and Ch- or China was such a trusting person. Like that's the one thing I've learned from this is that mm-hmm. she listened to people. She did what she was told. She, she just yeah. wanted that acceptance and she thought they had the best interest for her. And unfortunately they, they really didn't. And, and ultimately I think it pushed her to the edge because she wasn't ready for a lot of the stuff she was doing. No, I and, think and it right. was, it was bringing up things like, I mean, there was one point they talked about her <sighs> wanting to get back into the WWE hall of fame. And they went right to WWE walked right in and they wanted nothing to do with her. And I think that like really drove her to the edge and it pushed those emotions even further. And, and she, 
she it, lost it, man. Yeah. I, I mean, if anybody watches it, I, I challenge you to not come away feeling aggravated and deeply saddened by watching yeah. it. Because yeah. you see somebody who was on this downward spiral, but you're also seeing so many missed opportunities where people could have stepped in. Yep. And I I just want to touch on this real quick and we'll kind of get kind of go back into like the I guess like the just me shitting on this manager. But yeah. uh they had interviews with Kevin Nash and Billy Gunn and X Pac as well. You know, WWE has their rehab policy, which for some reason was just omitted from this whole documentary, which I found strange. Yeah. They for people that don't know, WWE has a policy where anybody who is currently working or has worked for the company at any point in time can contact them and they will offer free rehab. You know, they'll no questions asked. They'll do it. Why the fuck did Kevin Nash, X-Pac or Billy Gunn, nobody thought to like contact the office at all and say, hey, yeah. we're really worried about her. Can somebody fucking reach out? Again, like this I is where was, I get mad because I'm like, know. you know, you're claiming to be her friends and, and, and who knows, maybe you did, maybe you did, but nobody, there, there was no effort on their end to try to help this woman out. I and I'm not again. saying, and, and listen, I, I, when I'm not doing this podcast, I work in addiction. <laughs> so I understand that you can't make somebody get sober yeah. if they're not ready to yet. At the same time, if you're not even offering any help, that's also a problem too. They need to know that they have options. Yeah. And so I think there is, there is an issue there. You know, these people are saying that they're her friends, but like, you know, this is where I will say like, you know, they're, they claim to be so privy to all of this information, you know, Triple H and the office, you know, there's a reason why they didn't want anything to do with her. So, it, so they clearly knew what was going on, but yet no one's offering any help. Yeah. So it's just this situation where they just isolated her. They, they just iced her out. So I, I think that I'm not saying that they killed her or anything like that, but I do think that that played a role because yeah. there wasn't any options. She, it was another rejection from her former family. Yeah. In WWE. And I think it's more deep than that though. I think it's not think just right. that factor. I think the, the factor is you got to remember the, this click, these guys, these were the same guys that pushed a lot of people out of WWE at one point because they were all about themselves. Right. And then they get into a situation and this isn't to blame them, but I mean, it's a weird situation where now triple H is dating the boss's daughter. So you choose China over them. You're isolating yourself against the WWE who is their lifeblood and only choice at this point. So it puts but how them is in it choosing her over WWE to say, I, listen, again, I think she this needs is some my fucking help. Can you reach yeah, out to her? This, this is my thought process and it all, again, I'm, I don't seem to, un, I don't, claim to know all of it i just think that they were you had to choose a side and and i think that's the way that it was yeah. and and i i don't agree with it i i would have done the opposite but i think that's really what it was and and you got to remember these guys didn't at some point didn't care remember they were yeah no you're right the, left the, and right like but I, I think the where i find some fault is you know this was going on well after any of these guys were in their prime and yeah, whether there wasn't worry then, I know. there was not worry in 2010 about how things were going to look. I know. They, they didn't care, you know? I know. Kevin I know. Nash wasn't even wrestling. Neither was Billy Gunn. Neither was X-Pac. So <laughs> there, there's no excuse for it, the, the way I, I see it. You know, you I, claim to be her friend. So why not, why not even just, maybe they, maybe they did, but it just never got mentioned. So that's why I'm saying this. Yeah. Did you even reach out to Triple H? Like, you guys are his friend. Say like, dude. I, whatever you guys had going on, like she's in trouble. You, we got to yeah. try to do something. Even if like, even if it's not triple H directly, even if it's just somebody else from the company to reach out and say, Hey, like, this is what's going on. You know, I mean, fucking Foley knew right off the bat. That oh, something Foley was, was great I'm, in that. I mean, and Fo Foley, dude, that part had me crying. Oh, I was yeah. like Foley's watching that great, dude. because you could tell that, he was somebody that she actually like felt safe with. She of knew course. this guy like had simply pure intentions with her just yeah. to sort of like be her friend and to be a support. And yeah. he knew right off the bat that this was not a good idea. And it kind of, it brings me back to this, the, the manager, you know, I, I'm of the mindset. And again, I know I'm making a lot of accusations, 
but I have no proof to back it up. So this is just purely Mikey Cash's. That's why we have a podcast. This is purely, purely an opinion. So I'm just making that known. I think that this guy, the manager, was it Eric or I forget what his name was. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, Anthony. Anthony was the manager's name. Yep. I guarantee you this, this started in 2015. This manager convinces her to, to leave Japan and come in here for this documentary to show her change, her journey of change. In 2014, there was also a documentary released. And do you remember what it was? No. The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Uh... And it was a huge success. It was it was acclaimed. And yeah. it, it led to Jake and Scott Hall getting inducted into the Hall of Fame that year in 2014. And it just documented their whole journey to get healthy and sober. But so he, I think he watched that and thought I can cash in in the same way. Of course. Absolutely. He just saw money signs. And the difference between what he did with China and what DDP did with Jake and Scott was that DDP actually gave a fuck about yeah, the health agreed. of these guys. He wasn't challenging them to like confront their like deepest, darkest demons right off the yeah. bat. His whole point was, we need to get you healthy first. Yeah. Get in a spot where you can start to process some of this stuff. Yeah. And this guy just fucking gets her and says, all right, so we're going to take you to a Comic-Con. You're going to sign all these pictures. You're going to do all the, you're going to do all this like media. Oh, and by the way, we're also going to try to have you confront your mom. Like what the yeah, fuck? I know that we're going to yeah. just, we're going to guerrilla warfare it and jump into WWE and say, you need to be in the hall of fame. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What? I, I don't understand where this guy's head was at. It, yeah, it I just, know. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I think that pushed her. That was way too much for her. Oh, 100%. And so I, I do hold these guys part, like at, at the very least, partially responsible for where she ended up in her death. That's oh, my own personal opinion. Agreed. And she was so trusting. Like I said, she trusted everything they said, thinking it was the right thing to do. And I think she was at a point that was so low that she was like, you know what? I'm just going to trust what people say because my way wasn't working. We're going to do it this way. And ultimately it led to her death. And, and I completely agree with all of that, Mike. I, I really do. I mean, they, my they, question though, is this, oh, I, I, no, that's okay. Like we talk about the documentary and I want to touch on this before this a little bit outside of the, the China mm-hmm. situation, but Let's do it. you know, do, and it's not just WWE, but do you think that a, a company has a responsibility to, these employees to make them well to do all of this stuff outside of the fact that they're not in the company anymore like i I guess that's a a question i would ask you Mm. you know like you said you know wwe has this policy and that's great but do you think it's wwe's responsibility to you know watch over her like that's the thing where i get conflicted and and i think Mm. this situation is a little different because of the triple h and and stephanie instance so it pushes her further away than a normal wrestler um but i don't know i think in in some ways i would say no there there isn't a a direct responsibility for that organization to just say like whether you worked here or not we want to take care of you. I don't think a lot of companies operate that way anymore. It's not, no. it's, you know, it's not the 1950s, but I do think when you have a specific policy saying that, then you're, you got to be held a little accountable for it. Then you're the one saying this. So why wasn't it getting done? Yeah. Agreed. That's where that in, in that's where I think there, it, there's an exception to the rule here is that they, they said they claim they, you know, blow smoke up their own ass about this policy but when push came to shove when somebody really fucking needed it they did it you know nobody nobody stopped not one fucking time was there any delay in getting scott hall treatment and getting jake treatment right wwe right william regal the list can fucking go on and on yeah. So what the hell was the holdup with her? I still think it was the Triple H Stephanie McMahon thing, you know, on top so of then, it. So in that case, then, then, then like maybe yeah. more needs to be looked at. I know. I agree. Two. But I also think too, they're, they were publicly, and this isn't me defending them. I'm yeah. just giving you the oh, no, I know, I know. process. 
they also she was in in the porn business and i think they were trying to separate herself there she was in very bad publicity and wwe does not do well when when they cut ties and erase people and mm -hmm. i hate that they do that it's like we all know they were part of your program like it's yeah. okay that she was doing something that was not okay you can change the future you can't change the past like Absolutely. and if it doesn't work out you at least tried and i think in this circumstance you make an exception i don't think you can do it for everyone it's just not possible people make their own choices but at the end of the day she was such an influential person there i think they deserved to talk to her and at least be her counterpart right. i i think they could have had there could have at least been a meeting Something. To say it, it doesn't mean that she had to come back and wrestle. That's not what I was saying. This was about getting her help. I Agreed. I think they could have at least fucking met with her and I said, agree. "What what do you need? What yeah. can we do to try to help you out here? Because we're worried about you." Just approaching it like that could have meant the world. Yeah. To sort of say, "Listen, despite everything that happened, I don't care." You know, because yeah. ultimately, who gives a fuck what kind of industry she was in? The bottom line is, she needed help. Oh, I agree. Man. I don't give I a agree. fuck if she was doing porn, like big deal. She was yeah, doing no, what I she agree. wanted to do. Nobody forced her into it. She nope, decided that's, you know, it, and it, she felt like treated well by these people. You know, they it, like in the documentary, they talk about it. They yeah. rolled out the red carpet for her. Like you have a whole history of feeling like you're second fiddle or not, not good enough. Somebody treats you like you are, you're going to feel attracted to that. So I get why she did it. I don't, I, I don't see any reason why that, you know, th that's where I do have, I have a big problem with that whole, when Triple H was on Austin's podcast talking about it, like big yeah. fucking deal. And you guess what? Xbox was also in that porn. It didn't stop him from showing up on Raw for Legends Night. That there's a double standard. It's a oh, clear fucking double standard, especially 100%. with the women. Yeah. Again, she, Xbox wasn't in a relationship with Stephanie McMahon or Triple H. So I think that's the big thing. And I, I, again, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you that this is probably no, the I know. process. Let, let me, let's wrap this up and then let's you're, end you're with right, positive. You're right. I'll, I'll get it. I, let's end exactly. With I could get, stuff. I could get so let, angry. Let me ask you this question. So now she's passed away. Mm -hmm. They put her in the hall of fame as part of, of DX, which was like a step in the right direction. Not good enough. In my opinion. Yeah. Even Stone Cold came out recently and said, you know, it's too late. Putting her in the Hall of Fame right now isn't going to do any good for anybody, right? Mm. Like, it just doesn't do her justice. I think she needs to go in because she deserves to go in. Um, but what do you think on that? And then we'll wrap up with some dream matches here. So I do think, I think it'll actually mean more if she goes into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah, because that one is way it, in my eyes, it's it's way more credible. Yeah, the, the, everything they do in WWE for good and for bad is really all about just PR. So yeah. even if they did it, it was just to like appease us. And I I don't feel like that's the proper motivation to want to put her in. Yeah, it's just to shut us up. I know. So I think with the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, it's not really about that. It's looking at no. somebody's body of work and their influence on the world of pro wrestling. And I think she had one. And that meets the criteria to get into a Hall of Fame like that. So it, I, I could totally see them doing that. Maybe her sister accepts the award or, or you know, her family can be there. You know, uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, but that, that I, could be cool. Yeah, that would be great. And I just I think her her sister hates pro wrestling because of what it did. Well, to I her don't sister. blame her. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame no, her I don't for, for that. I don't well, either. Um, but no, those are all great points. And I, I agree. I do think she needs to go into the and maybe they can, uh, you know, they're, they're still looking for a name for that women's battle royal that they do every year at WrestleMania since they can't name it Moolah anymore. I don't think they can even bring China. I mean, they can reference her and everything, but I don't think they can do something like that without looking like douchebags. That's because true. it's like you too know, little too right. late right. at this point because of the circumstances. She basically died because they didn't give her acceptance. Like that's the moral of the story behind all of it. And right. it's like you can't now post-mortem do all of that and look like you're going to be the good guy. I think it'll make you look worse. I and, mean, it's uh, just it, it, my, my last little piece is just it just uh, it's an example of so many system failures along the way. Of course, that could have prevented her from dying. That yep. last clip in that documentary when oh. she's sitting there and she's like, she's like, what did I do wrong? And yeah. just wondering, and she's asking for help. Can you help me? And they're fucking waiting for celebrity rehab spots to open up. I like, know. it's just, 
it's a that's it's like it's like a crime dude it's a crime that she's like she should be doing the stuff like she should be coming out as a surprise entrant in the women's royal rumble like she should have been there in 2018 like because it was such a big moment she could have been coming out in like surprise entrance in the men's rumbles you know, know. like she could still she should still be doing this stuff she should be showing up on legends nights she could be showing up in AEW right now you know, know. like there's so many opportunities that are like missed and like now that's th- i think that's that's what i'm really sad about like she should still be tearing it up with people oh i like, agree mike we're, we're on the you, same page can you on believe this. that no but, like so on so on that subject i like i'm gonna i'm gonna switch calm myself down usa usa <laughs> all right i just i i get heated about this stuff you know? No, I mean that's why we waited because so long. Because of my line of work, I get heated about this. Yeah, stuff, but that's really. also why we waited nerve. so long. Why we waited so long to do this episode because it's definitely a one that hits both of our our it, nerves. It, so. And you really find like I just wanted to do it right. I feel yeah. like we just we owe that to her. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but let's talk about dream matches. You talked about if she was still here. Yes. You know, let's let's talk about end with dream matches and then um, we'll wrap it up here. I don't know if you noticed this, folks, but Vito took back over the H here. He saw we that like he saw that Mikey flop. Cash was getting a little too heated. We like the <laughs> he flop. needed to rein me in. We like he needed to rein me in. Uh, all right, dream matches. I mean, I literally wrote down here anyone. There's yeah, so many people true. she could have worked with. Um, it, oddly enough, it's uh, somebody from Impact comes to mind. Jordan Grace. Yeah, I think talk she about has her like that, that kind of prowess and agility that I think could yep. match up well with with China's style at the time. Um, I, I mean, Charlotte Flair, you have to add yeah. her in there. It would be a, yeah. a banger, dude. Ronda Rousey, absolute yep. banger. Um, even, even and, and we don't see a lot of her wrestling in AEW, but Jade Cargill, I think, just as like the cool. modern day China. It would be cool. would be fantastic, you know, with her athletic specimen there. Um, you know, we think you had on here Bianca Belair would be. Oh, oh my dude. God. Dude, <laughs> you imagine the stuff they would do, and and uh, yeah, it would be. Fantastic. It's so good, I, and like I, I put down, so I put down Mickey James too, as like yep. because Mickey's also a vet, so I think of she course. would, her and China could work that like vet kind of match of like. Did they never pace. wrestle? No, they never wrestled oh, each other. Mickey didn't okay. come around till a few years WWE after. until like two thousand five ish. Okay, but. Yeah, I think that could be a, like more of like a technical match. I think that would yeah. have been their kind of style. Sasha, I think, could just bounce around for her. You know, like she could toss the shit uh, at a Sasha, like and yeah. have a real fun David Goliath kind of match. Oh, I agree there. I mean, yeah. the the possibilities there are are really kind of endless. You know, and then you even have a lot of these guys doing their high flying moves, as you like to call them, the flips and the flippity floppity, flippity floppity that. That I think that style would actually go well with China, you know, because she had that type of style, the kind of lucha. She could catch them. She'd be lucha, like a good catcher. Lucha libre style, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, it would be really interesting, you know. Um, but you know, I to 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 wrap this up a little bit, yeah. Mike. I mean, you know, it, I think we all agree that it's a shame she passed away. It could have been prevented, and I I do believe you know she should go down as probably the best women's wrestler of all time. Like, it's, I don't think it's, it's a arguably question. the most influential. It's, it's not a question. It, it, it's not a question. I mean, you, you just mentioned it. Look, Jade Cargill, Bianca Belair, Jordan Grace, look at all. If you look at all three of those women and you don't see the imprint of China, you're blind. Yeah. hundred percent. Hmm. You're hundred percent. Right. So, I mean, with, with that, I mean, I, I'm just going to say this. She was the man before Becky Lynch. She was the opportunity before Charlotte. She stratified us before Trish. She was the Glamazon before Beth. She yeah. was the ninth wonder of the world. Yeah. Enough ninth said. wonder of the world. That says it all right there, man. Yeah. It does. It really does. It was it my really closing does. promo. No, it makes sense. So, you know, we, we covered China here. What What is our next episode going to be, Mike? Well, this one is another episode that is a long <laughs> time coming because yeah. finally... We're going to talk about The Rock, the people's champ, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Uh, he's a trailblazing, eyebrow raising, elbow dropping, heart stopping, all around, smack it down, people's champ, The Rock. That guy. Uh, okay. Oh, you can't I, tell. I, I don't really like I, him that much. But I don't I know guess if we'll I'll, talk about him. 
I don't even know if I'm going to be involved. I think I might a chair that one just because I think you're going to have a lot. Actually, Vito, I've already recorded the episode on my yeah, own. I not shocked. have you on here. I'm not shocked, Mike. I'm not shocked. So, uh, oh, wow. That'll be a good one. I'm excited. That's I've been be waiting for one. this one. Long time coming. Pod- Since I've we wait- started the podcast, we've wanted yeah, to do this episode. Yeah, th- we might, maybe we'll actually even have an interview with the rock you know who it, knows it depends you know he's busy <laughs> filming young rock and black adam so uh, if he can I, find the time i think i think somehow some way he'll make some sort of appearance <laughs> i think i think so <laughs> well i think uh any any other closing thoughts for you Vito? no i think we covered it and yeah. uh, great job i you know china's a big influential piece mm-hmm. of wrestling and um you know, we could go on and on about her, but I, we we wanted to make sure the fans had a, a, a good overview of exactly what went on, her influence, you know, kind of her after WWE life. And I think we covered it all. All right. Well, sounds like a plan to me. So until next time, guys, always remember, keep strutting. We now return your perception of reality to you until next time.